because you guys are just not ready yet so I thought I'd keep them to myself but we are here and it's a good day to have a good day grand rising kings and queens so today is a good day because it is Thursday which means mm -hmm, it's almost time for them children to be out of school and also it's my son's birthday so it's my oldest son's birthday today and he is 15 and I am like thank you god um it's weird because 15 was my favorite age like ever and I felt like it was because I was old enough to know better but young enough to get away with it kind of thing um at 16 I felt like okay I know you're not but I felt like okay I'm grown at 15 I felt like oh yeah this is a fun age like you could be about the shit and get away with it but at the same time I had quite a strong awareness of who I was and what I wanted to do and be and you know all of that good stuff so as he walks into this chapter of 15 it's amazing to witness who he is and who he is allowing himself to be and um, I've found parenthood very quite easy apart from the last couple of years and funnily enough it's not because of my children it's actually just because of the way that the world views things and perceives things and makes things mean and all of this stuff which leads me to today's conversation are you aware of your trauma response as we've been coming in here over the last couple of weeks we've been speaking a lot about healing a lot about mindset so much about relationships and I recognize that more and more the deeper that we go it kind of uproots people's cause kind of makes people feel a little bit uneasy and sometimes that's because the information that you're processing is triggering everything inside of you whether that is wow I've believed something for so long that may no longer be true or it is a triggering something that you've encountered in the past and now by having these conversations having this level of awareness opening yourself up it is triggering that experience that you've had before. It's bringing it back up. It's bringing it to light. It's asking you to relook at it. It's asking you to reevaluate it. It's asking you to reset. And whether you've been in the room over the couple of weeks or not, I feel that life is always asking us to do that. Life is asking us to just check in, right? I tend to have this thing in all of my groups where I encourage people to check in in the mornings. And it is simply sending a message and saying what's going on for them. But I have this as a way of life, like my friends who are going through things or not going through things, I check in in the morning, like, what's good? How are you doing? And I actually care to listen to the answer. I've said for years that we walk past each other and we go, hi, you're right, good, yeah, mm -hmm, bye. And you keep going. You're not really standing there to figure out what they're gonna say past that. You're just like, yeah, how are you? Yeah, good, mm -hmm. And you're walking, but what if you actually said, how are you? And you cared to listen to the answer. What if when people then, and sometimes, because this happens to me and I'm sure it happens to some of you lot, people do actually say, you know what, now I'm not good. And in that moment, you have a choice. 
your choice is, wow, do I listen and offer them support or damn, is it going to be one of them situations where mm, I don't really want to hear it? Because let's face it, some people, when you ask them how they are, oh, child, oh, child, they've always got some shit going on. They've always got something to complain about. They've always got something to be ungrateful for. And as you start to be on your own journey of healing and rediscovering and resetting and, you know, being the best version of yourself, I'm not going to lie, but you really don't have time for the complainers of the world. So this is why this conversation came to me today, because I feel like it's fine to go through things. We all go through things. It's fine to not be okay, like we've said before. But my thing is, are you aware of the way that you respond to things? Are you aware of your trauma responses? And what I find so amazing about trauma response is some of them are so easy to pass up that you wouldn't even recognize it as trauma. Because Sometimes if we haven't faced a crazy amount of abuse, right, whether that is physical, mental, emotional, we don't identify certain situations, scenarios, experiences as trauma. Because the sad thing about trauma is so much of it is normalized. So much of it is just like, well, that's just the way that it is. Like, why are we, why are we making it out to be something that it's not? And I remember years and years ago, I think like literally when my son was first born and that book Ugly was like a number one bestseller. So I was like, well, what's the hype about? And plus I had been out of years of reading. So when I first wanted to get back into reading, because I used to love to read, I started to read like autobiographies and like, you know, people's real life stories because that's what inspired me. And I remember reading Ugly and the girl who went on to be a judge, didn't she? Um, was basically talking about her trauma and a part of that trauma was experienced because she used to wet the bed so she wet the bed a lot and where her mum was like you know trying not to trying to get her out of the routine of wetting the bed trying all different kinds of things right and it just wasn't working <laughs> when her friends came around to visit her one time and she was a child she was in primary school the mum said you know don't go up there in that pissy room and she was like, because you're going to smell the bed, you're going to smell the bed and her friends were there. So the way that it kind of unfolded in the book was almost like abuse, like, you know, tr like it was verbal abuse in the way that she used to speak to her. Yes, the woman would, when she took her school pictures, the mum would say you're ugly. And, you know, that's why the concept of the book was ugly, because everything that the mum was doing was just reaffirming to this young girl that she's just ugly you know she's not good enough she's this she's that her hair's this her body's that you know even when she started to grow her breast her mum pinched them all kind of different experiences now for me reading that at the time the part about wetting the bed I actually found funny and that's not because I was laughing at her I wasn't laughing at her the reason why I found it funny is because the kind of background that I come from in the Caribbean, certain levels of that are normal, where embarrassment is used as a tool to help you to fix up. Where it's like, if you don't do that, you watch when I tell your friends or you watch when I tell this person. It's almost like there was a level of that that was normalized. 
And with deeper understanding, it's trauma. With deeper understanding, that's not okay. With deeper understanding, that's not acceptable. But when that type of behavior has been passed down for generations and generations and generations, right? And let's talk about it. Certain things were displayed when people are lynched in front of people. When people are beaten in front of people. There is things that are passed down over years and years and years and generations and generations until it's almost normal. There's been a lot of conversations in this week, again, with the football. And I'm one of these people where it's like, I expected there to be racism because it's normal in football. Am I saying that it's okay? No, but there's a level of expectation that comes with certain roles and certain positions. Now I'm saying all of this to say that when I was looking deeper about bringing this conversation to the forefront, I was looking at the different methods or not even methods, responses of trauma. And as I read them, I was like, oh my God, this is why some of our children are going into these schools and being treated in certain ways because people are taught this textbook stuff and then they are responding as a teacher, right? As a, as a person in a position to help or teach that, wow, that must be a result of trauma. And as I was reading some of these things and I was looking at some of the behaviors of our young people, I was like, oh my gosh, this is why in a certain aspect, they are being treated a certain way. Now, if you're a mum or a dad or a parent and you've done your very best to protect your children, there's a certain part of you that be can become defensive because you think, now hold on a minute, nah, they ain't experienced trauma. But actually, we don't even know the result of a relationship breakdown, the result or effect that that has on a child. We could think we know, but we don't know unless we're walking in that person's shoes what they've allowed that to mean. Just the same way if they've witnessed domestic violence, if they've witnessed um, an incident outside of them, if they sat back and uh, children all over the world last year were watching the whole movement with Black Lives Matters and what happened to George Floyd, we don't know how that has affected somebody just from watching it. So although we might not have had the trauma as such done to us, we might not have been injured or impacted directly, because of what we witness, because of what we see, because of what we're exposed to every single day of our lives, are we aware of our trauma responses? Are we aware of how we are actually processing information or not processing information? Are we aware of what we're making things mean? Because I believe if we can start to recognize our own trauma responses, we will be better at processing and digesting information. Therefore, we will be better at communicating and understanding. 
Because as a result of trauma, we shut down parts of ourselves. And again, I feel that sometimes when the word trauma is used, we look at it in such a big context, right? Like it has to be a massive, huge event that had great impact. But we don't understand that one of my pet hates that used to like literally mess with my whole core was people's tone of voice. It was literally people's tone of voice. It would absolutely trigger me. And I would have a trauma response of like fight or flight. It wasn't the freeze or the flop. It was fight or flight, literally. Where I kind of shut off. It doesn't even matter what you're saying past that tone. I'm not listening. Or just because you said that tone in 0.2 seconds, I'm ready to knock you out. It was a trauma response because I had associated things with a tone. I had made that tone mean things. And I know now that I've grown because I have conversations every single day. Some are very challenging. And I know that I don't have the same response within my body. I don't have the same response within my mind because I've been able to identify what it was that got me to that place in the beginning. And now I've been able to replace it with somebody else, with something else, which allows me to communicate through it, which allows me to be present, which allows me to still be able to be who I am without shutting down. So before I go into just giving you like a brief idea of the trauma responses. I wanna ask anybody in the room if they're willing and brave enough and courageous enough to come up to the stage and say like, yo, yep, I recognize my trauma responses or actually I don't think I've got any, like I'm good. Whatever it is, whichever side of the fence you, you sit on, are you aware of your trauma responses? Do you have any? Do you identify with this conversation? Are you able to say, yep, that's me. Um, this is what I'm willing to do about it. Or actually, I don't know what to do about it. Is there anybody in the room that is willing to come up? Oh, here we go. Feel free to come up, guys. Grand Rising. Grand Rising. How are we? I'm very, very good, thank you. Tell us. So, um, one of my main trauma responses, and I was speaking about this a couple of weeks ago, I realised this um, started when I was younger. It is to complete, like, I completely zone out. So I can hear you, but I can't hear you. I'm present, but I'm not present. Um, when things go on, I automatically go into my own head and my own thoughts. So I begin to tell myself a million and one stories. I've made up the beginning, the middle, and the end. Um, <laughs> it's not funny, don't laugh at me. I've anticipated everything that's going to happen before it's even happened. I've determined what this means, what that meant, how every other person in the scenario is feeling, think like, I've gone, I'm, I'm completely gone. But I realised that um, what it is, is I stop myself from feeling because I believe that it's my feelings that have allowed the trauma. It's my feelings that have allowed me to be hurt. It's my feelings that have exposed me. So I stop feeling and start thinking, which is a very dangerous place for me to go. I love that. 
I love that. I love it. And I love the fact that you've been able to identify it. For a lot of people, that's zoning out. Again, when I'm talking about a lot of stuff has been normalized, that level of zoning out. So you're here, but you're just you're just gone. That is a trauma response. But the truth of the matter is we've been we we've we've become, we've allowed it to be normal that that's a coping mechanism. And this is why even yesterday I mentioned it. I don't I don't really believe in the idea of coping. I don't I don't hold on to or really identify with the idea of coping. Because I recognize when I'm coping, I'm just merely surviving. I feel like that's when sorry, I completely agree with that because I've realized where I've spent a lot of time in that mode, it, it, it is just coping. There isn't, um, like nothing's flourishing there. Nothing's growing there. Even if you're watering seeds, it's like being planted in dead soil. There you That's go. What it's, like. it's, um, it's that thing of, you know, like I say about swans, where you see them so gracefully on top of the water, but underneath their feet are going, 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 and they're treading water. So you constantly feel like, you're drowning and having to um, like present, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. That is my second trauma response. Just about to I, say, I'm major okay trauma response. Is my, is my second trauma response. That is, it. and in fact, I've realized, um, interesting enough, this is the trauma response that a couple of my children have developed. Come on, talk about it. I'm okay. Um, it's just, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to address it. I'm not going to deal with it. It's actually a trauma response. It's like a, a fence goes up, a shield goes up, and nothing's coming in. So them, them two, for me, 100% are two trauma responses that I can identify with. I love that. And I love that that ties in with what Sue was saying last week when she wishes that that word okay would be banned from the dictionary but it's in that context of where we're just okay I'm okay I'm okay it's cool no I'm good I'm okay that is a trauma response in that context because you're not okay and it's okay to not be okay but you're not able to communicate that so the easiest thing to do say I'm okay and then hopefully people will leave you alone and that's why I started with the conversation of saying, when we meet people and we say, hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. You just go. There's not really, how are you? And let's talk, let's communicate. Let's inspire each other. And I just feel that as a community, we just have to get better at identifying that these types of behaviors are trauma responses. Saying you're okay when you're not okay is a trauma response. Being present and zoning out is a trauma response. These are trauma responses. Being numb, going to numb. So many people allow themselves to be numb on an every single day basis. And that is a trauma response. You are not allowing yourself to feel because somewhere along the lines, you have been taught that your feelings are not safe. I coach people and when they first come in, sometimes they're super emotional, like super, super emotional. 
and they're so mad with their emotions. And whether that is an emotion of anger, like crazy anger, rage, or whether it is just crying, everything they do, just cry, 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 happy, sad, up, down, in between, cry, cry, cry. And they're crazy, they're mad with their emotions because somewhere along the line, somebody said to them, that's not okay to react like that. That's not okay to be like that. And the reason why I started speaking about my son is because I recognized when I was getting ready for this, I, I was talking about, you know, how teachers respond. I was like, wow. When I started to go on my journey of like self-love and, and healing and all of that good stuff, I started to recognize what anger can do to you. I started to recognize what it can turn into. And so, although I wouldn't deny myself the ability to get angry or be angry or experience anger, I became more aware of what was making me angry. And by doing that, I became aware of my children's tones of when they go to anger, of when they go to rage, or when they shut down and just cry or don't communicate. And I, I'm sitting here today saying to myself, wow, sometimes we think we're doing the best thing. And so at that time, the best thing for me was to keep saying to them, you know, you can express yourself in more ways than anger. You can express yourself in more ways than crying. You can communicate in different ways other than that. But I recognize that as a part of me doing that, I've almost also said to them, it's not okay to be angry. It's not okay to just cry. It's not okay. And although I've tried to do my best to balance it, I recognize even in saying this out loud, even in looking at the responses of trauma, what I've done. And I'm okay with it. Because I'm willing to look, I'm willing to hold myself accountable, I'm willing to be responsible. And I'm willing to continue the conversation and hopefully give them more awareness. But by saying, you know, anger's not the only option, it's almost in a way, in particularly with my older son, where I feel that maybe if he does want to experience anger, he kind of won't allow himself to go there, which in turn is penting up more inside of him because I've kind of said, mm, that's not okay, which is wild. But that's the way that it goes sometimes. And so what he may do then is just hold it in, hold it in, hold it in. And when you're holding it in, guess what, guys? It's festering and it's forming anyways. It's still anger. Energy doesn't die. It just transforms. So are we mad about the people that react in anger and get it out and then they deal with it? Or are we mad with the people that hold it in and let it fester and fester and fester? What one is it? Which one are you? What have you taught yourself? What has been taught to you? Are you in a place to relearn it? Or reset it now, or maybe try it in a different way? Quality questions. I'm always asking myself quality questions. Ask yourself quality questions. It's like doing an MOT on yourself or a service check. 
And when we have a car and we run an MOT or we, it has to be serviced, it's like a yearly thing. Yo, with the vehicle that's you, I feel like your quality questions need to be a daily thing. Miss Dixie, tell us, how's the trauma? Why do I feel like you just spoke directly to me that whole? <laughs> because honestly, that was me. I'm that person that holds onto it. And eventually, five years down the line, when you decide I've held it in for so long, I'm now going to spew everything that I've held against you or that I've been so angry about or not spoken about for the for five years. And it all just comes out. But not only that, I feel like I'm exactly like Cece. I don't, I just literally go to silence. And if you look at me, you know, when you look at those people that are on medication and they just look blank, their eyes look blank, they just look blank. Yes, girl. That's me. I will sit in a room and I'll be staring at the TV and don't ask me what's going on. Don't ask, like, it's like I'm in my own little bubble, but the world is going on around me. But then everyone goes, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm good. That's, that's my answer to if I don't, if I just want to deflect and I want to avoid. However... I'm grateful for being in your rooms to be able to see that actually, Dixie, you have a voice and you need to use your voice and open your mouth and speak. And so I'm quite lucky to the fact that I can recognise it now so I don't bring Nathaniel the same way. So when I see him in his emotions and his feelings, because he's a boy, you know, you have this tendency to go, oh, you're a boy, you shouldn't have feelings, you shouldn't have emotions. Whereas now, and I don't want him to grow up thinking that he can't speak or he can't tell anybody how he feels. So I ask him, what's wrong? And I'll sit there until I figure it out. Because we're not doing the temper tantrums, because you can't express. We're going to express, and I'm going to allow you to express, because I feel over generations past parents haven't allowed their children to express which is why we as a community don't speak and we just hold on to everything because we haven't allowed the children to express because children should be seen and not heard right so i'm trying to get past that narrative where now if there's a problem let's talk about it because what i don't want is when he gets older is that he holds it in and he he doesn't speak and he doesn't use his voice because i want him to be able to learn from my mistakes not be my mistakes, if that makes sense. Love that. Yes. And I, I love that you're creating that space. You're creating that space to be able to communicate and listen. Me and Sue often have this conversation about with our children. And I think that it's amazing that it's my son's birthday today, because one thing that I've always said to my children is, I don't know how to be a parent. I wouldn't be a parent without you. So you are teaching me how to be a parent as much as I'm teaching you about life. It's a co-creation. And everything that I thought I had down-packed in parenting with my eldest son, <laughs> my second child, it was different. So I had to relearn again. I had to find different methods, different ways to be. And they're completely different children. And so those of you that have these numbers of children, I rate y'all because there are parts of you that are different in the way that you might speak to them, communicate with them, teach with them, vibe with them, learn from them. And that's a part of our soul arc skin in this experience called life. Why are we here? What is our purpose? 
And it's been answered every single day in the interactions and experiences we have. And I will always say one of my biggest, if not my greatest teachers have been my children. They've taught me more about myself than I've ever wanted to even know. As much as about life, as much as about change. And the thing is, when you yourself experience a certain amount of trauma, you try to do everything to protect your children from that same experience. And just like I just called myself out, in doing that sometimes, we can still cause a level of damage. We can still cause a level of trauma. And one place that I've come to that has brought me great peace is knowing that that's a part of how it's meant to be. Because every single person has come here for a reason. And sometimes we run from the conflict, we run from the trauma, we run from the bad, if you like, or the dark, if you like, because we just want to experience the good. But like I've said before, when we go through a bad experience or a conflict in experience or some place where we experience contrast, we actually start asking. We start asking for more. We start asking for better. We start asking for a change. And that's how change starts to come about. And so when we look at life and the cycle of life, everything always comes full circle. If we're willing to have awareness, if we're willing to be educated and we're willing to actually apply that information and use it, we get to create the change we wanna see. We get to create the spaces for people to heal. We get to be a part of the new algorithm or new way of being. But all of this comes to choice. And it all comes from taking a deeper look at things and being able to assess them past from what we believe or have been taught to be normal, if you like. Ms. Sandra, welcome to the stage. How are you this morning? You're muted, love, if you're trying to speak. Uh, I'm good, sorry. Um, all of you said something that resonates with me, especially Tanya with the tone. I'm wonderful. You speak to me in that tone, and I just switch off. And maybe you're not speaking in a tone, but it's what I hear, and it's mainly with my two children, because there's 17 years between them, where Percy's brought up differently, Kim's brought up in this social media world and um, but i have, have given him a space at home we have a no consequence space at home and a signal if he's angry because i've noticed as he's getting older and older he's getting more frustrated more angry and with the lockdown it's worse when he couldn't go to the gym and he couldn't do this and he couldn't do that to get rid of it but now that you've put a name to it that it is trauma you know it makes a lot of sense to me an absolute lot of sense to me and as I've been coming on to the clubhouse the last few weeks, I've actually taken some parenting advice from all of you and letting go a bit more, especially when I spoke to your, when I spoke to Claudius the other day, instead of holding on to him, I trust what I've put into him so that when he does go out, he does come back at time. It's not going to hurt me from worrying, but I'm learning to let go a bit more at the end. But it's the tone, and I know it's something I have to work on with me because I hear a tone in everyone which is ridiculous really 
I feel that, you know, you might be attacking me or disrespecting me. So I see it as a tone. And like you say, I go to either defend straight away or I switch off. So thank you. I understand from all of you. I love that. And I love that. That's that's exactly it. You know, it's about being able to recognise these things and being able to try a different method, being able to identify that, oh, my God, you know what? I actually thought that was normal. I, there's so much things that we think are normal. Many of you in the room, I might know you personally, I might have known you through coaching, I might have met you. And I could, I'm very quick at identifying in the way that people cope. That's exactly what it is. It's a coping mechanism. And a coping mechanism is a result of trauma. So technically, it's a trauma response. Because why are we not thriving in that area or in that thing? And a lot of the time, it's a result of us being in denial. It's a result of us not willing to bring certain things to the forefront. It's a result of us not standing in our power. So we shrink because it's easier. It's easier to actually shrink. And that's why when I looked at the football this week and leading, not just this week, but when Sterling was going out every single game and killing it, I was like, yo, that is how you wear your crown. Because they were attacking him and saying whatever and where all credit should have been given, it wasn't but it didn't take him off of his game. And when you see the journey that he's been through and what he speaks about in regards to what he's doing and why he's doing it and where he came from with his mum and what's important to him, you recognise how he was probably in coping mode at a point. He went into survival mode, but now he's in thriving mode. So even when I saw him, he didn't get asked to take a penalty, right? And even when he saw the reaction of his peers when they were responding to basically losing, but the way that he kind of held it together, I admired it because I recognised there was a certain level in him that had been healed. There was a certain process which he has allowed himself to experience in my observation. I'm not him, I don't know. I can't talk for him. But just in my observation, and like I say to you guys, I allow life to teach me. I allow myself to see things in ways that I wouldn't have seen it before. And so I'm always allowing and looking and searching for ways to learn or to be healed even, or to access new information that in turn can give me a better sense of being able to thrive been able to be in my power. And when we're acting from a place of trauma, we're not often doing that. We're often looking for more reasons to be like, yes, that tone attacked me. Yes, they were coming for me. Yes, they said that, but they meant this. We're making up those stories, like Claudine said. Just the same way that when we walk into a conversation and it goes a certain way and we shut down, or we go around family and we think, mm, this family is not really for me, I'm gonna zone out. These are all trauma responses. I wanted to speak about, cause nobody's actually mentioned it. One of the biggest trauma responses that I've observed over time. And one that I pray that many of you will actually identify with 
And maybe you've never recognized it as a trauma response before, but I just want to shine some light on it. And I also want to give you a little bit of awareness around the five F's of trauma response, and then we're going to jump out. But Miss Bev, before I get into it, welcome to the stage. How are you this morning? I'm great, thank you. I love that. And that's what I'm talking about, allowing yourself to be in the space so that in the space, healing is revealed to you. What you need to know comes. One of my favorite affirmations is I have everything I need. And I was affirming that when I didn't believe it until I believed it. And the more that I allowed myself to believe I have everything I need, guess what, guys? Everything I need comes to me. I don't go looking for it. It comes to me. It's revealed to me. Whether it is just been in one of these conversations and getting the key to a lock that I've had locked for so long, but you guys give me the key. I'm like, thank you. Whether it is watching something outside of me, at watching a movie and being like, oh shoot, that's me. And I get the answer. I'm like, thank you. But because I've allowed myself to set the intention that, you know what, I actually want to thrive. I want to be in a different position this time next year. I want my postcode to change, my physical postcode, my mental postcode, my emotional postcode, my spiritual postcode. I want them to change. I want the amount of money I'm earning to change. I want the conversations I'm having to change. I want the people I'm around to change because I'm willing and I want to grow. I wanna know, I want access. I want access to the information that I don't know that's gonna set me free. I want access to the information that's gonna unlock the parts of me that are allowing me to shrink. I want access to the arenas that are gonna allow me to see myself like I've never seen myself before. One thing that I always used to say, and it actually came up again on an audio yesterday, but one statement that I used to say daily is I wanna see me how God sees me. Because if, that's, if I'm his child, right? Or 
they have a, or they, <laughs> him, the energy that it is, whatever it is, I feel like it has a, it already has planted something in me. It already has, it already knows me more than I know myself. And I just want to remember. I just want to remember who I am, like really am before the trauma. And whether that is the trauma that I've experienced because of the color of my skin, whether that is the trauma that I've experienced just from being a woman, whether that is the trauma I've experienced from apparently being a part of a broken home or whatever context that people put us into or these boxes that we're put into, I wanna see myself differently. I wanna see the truth in who I am. And that's an amazing, level of trauma which you've been able to identify not just the anger bev but the part where you said you notice what happens when you can't speak your truth yo not been able to speak your truth is a major trauma trauma response for people i give god thanks that that's not mine but for some people they cannot speak their truth they cannot talk their truth. It is easier to lie and lie and lie and lie and better yet, say nothing at all. Just say nothing at all. But one thing that I will say to all of you is you're speaking even when your mouth is not moving. Your energy tells everything about you. Sometimes I'm in a room with people and their mouths are not moving, but I can hear the cut eye they're giving people. I can hear the judgment they're giving people. It's written all over their body. It's all over their aura. I do not stay around certain people for too long because misery loves company. And we've got to get better at identifying the trauma in us. So when we look around us, we recognize, like I was talking about it yesterday, why certain relationships are in our lives. But the trauma that I wanted to speak about, which actually nobody has mentioned, is not been able to ask for help. Major trauma response. I'm gonna say it again. And if anybody identifies with this, I would love you just to even say, yep, that's me. Not been able to ask for help is a major trauma response. Yep, that's me. <laughs> Sorry. You've been saying, so I said it. That's me too. That's me too. Don't worry, that's me too. When I was young and my, my, there was domestic violence in the home, I felt completely helpless and I didn't know who I was supposed to ask for help. I didn't know who to speak to. I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, if I said something, was I going to get taken away? Was my dad going to get taken away? Was yes. I didn't know who, where, what. I didn't know. Love that. Miss Irie, I saw you bounce up real quick. Is that you, sis? Yeah, that's 100% me. I love that. Guys, I want to say to you guys, that's a lot of us. Notice I didn't call myself, I didn't hold myself separate. That is a major trauma response. Not been able to ask for help. Because something is happening in our brains. And it could be like what Bev suggested. 
things were happening at home when we were younger. <laughs> we were taught you don't talk about what's inside of your yard. You just deal with it. You shut your mouth, you crack on, you keep going. So even me being Tanya and from doing the live on Facebook to some of the very open, honest, transparent posts that I post to me just pressing live on that camera when I'm in something or going through something good or bad. Do you know how much people are like, why is she talking her business? Why is she putting her family business out there? Uh, them look are good, they're this, they're that. Do you know how much level of attack that I've experienced as a result of doing that? And I tell y'all straight, I don't give a shit. Because regardless to how much I may have been attacked, do you know the level of freedom that that's given me and given other people? So I'll do it any day, all day, every day. Because I'm not the only person going through that stuff. I'm not the only person with those experiences. And I'm also not the only person that didn't know how or where to go to ask for help. I didn't even know help was available in certain things that I've experienced. And that's why we continuously encounter like the fight or flight method, the freeze method, because we don't know how to say, yo, oh, I need help. This is too much. I can't do this by myself. And one thing, as to why I sit here on my son's 15th birthday and I'm in gratitude, not only that he's got life, not only for the person that he chooses to be, but for the journey that I've had in motherhood. And there became a season very early on where I recognized if I didn't have me time, if I didn't do me, if I didn't remember that I was a whole person before I entered a relationship, a whole person before I had a child, I would have crashed. And so it's necessary for me personally that I take weeks away from my children. I take weekends off. I take days out to reset, regroup, reassess who I am because I recognized that the role of mother, the role of big sister, the role of manager, boss, whatever, daughter, comes with a lot of responsibility. And I needed to take off them layers and ask myself like, yo T, who are you? Without all of that, who are you? And it's something that I do all the time because I recognize that because of the certain layers I was carrying, I didn't know how to ask for help. And so one of the most powerful things that my sons have taught me is, I'm not doing this alone. I need help sometimes. But if you see me and you see me maneuver with my children or you see me maneuver in um, my business, oh yeah, I do everything alone and I can do it alone and I'm good at doing it alone. It's not because I can't, I can. But it's not always fruitful to operate like that. It's not healthy. It's not really good for you. We've got to get better at sharing the load and not being embarrassed about it. And not feeling like we're less than because we ask for help or we're not valuable, 
One of the most powerful things that you can do is ask for help because it gives you awareness. It gives you access. It gives you that information that adds value to you. It doesn't take away. I used to have this belief system, like I said, where men weren't shit. So I weren't asking you, you know, my, my children's father, if he doesn't want to give, okay, that's on him. Cause I'm gonna do it anyways. And I started to be like, no, 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 no child. No, 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 no child. And a lot of that came from, I didn't like that people would, would put the man on CSA and this and that, but no, but actually, if you're a father or you're a mother and you're not stepping up to your responsibility, guess what? People have a right to ask you to step up to your responsibility and that's okay. But I had to check the position and place and posture and tone that I was coming with. Because sometimes when we're asking for help, and this is another massive telltale sign, many people are asking you for help, but they're defensive. So it does feel like an attack. But when you take yourself out of it, you're like, wow, they're not actually attacking me. They're defensive because they're actually asking for help and they don't know how to communicate that. So it's another level of a trauma response. So how do we now figure out what these things are? So you've got the response that we would call the fight response. And that's when you will go into anger and rage and it's all your fault, it's all your fault, it's all your fault. Whether it's all your fault because you're not good enough, you're not valuable, you don't deserve better, or it's always someone else's fault. Because daddy should have been there, mummy should have been there, this person should have known better, he should have done that, she should have done that. It's all somebody's fault. You straight away go into your fight mode, you go into your anger and your rage, you will talk back to authority, you will storm out, you will show aggression towards yourself or others. You're very defiant and you live in blame. That's the fight mode. What's the flight mode? The flight mode is like, bro, I gotta get out. I've got to get out. Gotta get out. That's when you tap out. I've got to get out. Stuff gets too much, you gotta get out. All like Claudine said, you're present, but you're zoned out. And then you start to feel anxious and then you feel overwhelmed and then you literally just feel like you need to move. You need to get out of that situation, that scenario. So you will just get up and leave. Have any of you been in a circumstance where it starts to get heated and you just see people move? A lot of the time it's trauma response. But we've been taught that that's a good coping mechanism. If this gets too much, leave. If that gets too much, go. Now, again, there's balance in every scenario. I'm not saying if things are uncomfortable, stay. But what I'm saying is identify. Are you going to move and then actually communicate with it? Or is that just your mechanism where you get out and done and that's it? It's got nothing to do with me. So I'm just out. That's their business. Because that's the difference between the trauma and allowing yourself to heal. I will remove myself from certain situations, but at the same time, I'm going to be present enough to figure out what is going on for me. Yes, Miss Tina, would you like to comment on something that I've just said? No, I don't know why you think I would. Um, grand rising room. Grand rising. I'm, I'm asking you to 
asking a question on behalf of somebody um, that's in the room, but they're unable to unmute and speak. And they are expressing that they feel lost. They feel that they've stepped into the twilight zone and gone back in time to like when they were a teenager. They have lost their voice. Um, and they're trying to catch themselves. So they're thinking, it's not my parents. It's probably my brother. Um, you know, going through just because basically they, they have access to your rooms and they have access to your tools, Tanya. So just trying to catch themselves, trying to catch their voice, trying to catch where they are at the moment. But they are responding to the fact that they recognise that they're in trauma and they're recognising that they want to ask for help. Unable to speak at the moment um, due to being at work or being in a situation where they can't speak. Um, so they're in the next response and this is the freeze mode. Now, this is one that sometimes people do not identify with. So you can identify with it if you are technically just frozen. And I've witnessed that where people get into a heated moment, a moment of conflict, and they legit freeze. It is just like whoop. But that's easy to identify. Do they recognize that as a trauma response? Maybe not. But the behavior you can automatically see. Whereas what you've just spoke about, that person is freezing. And when you freeze, it is when you are overwhelmed, like completely overwhelmed by your circumstances. So you're not at that fork road where you can see choice. You are so overwhelmed that you're just standing there. You're just in the middle of nowhere, doing nothing, really. You feel panicked. You feel numbered out. You feel like you can't process stuff. You feel like you can't take the steps. You actually feel like you can't move. And before you know it, you're giving up quickly. You're spacing out. You're, it feels like nobody's listening to you. It feels like people can't hear you. You feel super frustrated and seriously overwhelmed. That's the freeze response. And that is probably where that person is at. I know actually that is where that person is at. I'm gonna keep going through them and I'm gonna come back. And then you've got the flop mode. Again, that's like where you just quit. This is where you feel depressed. People are experiencing depression right now where they wanna take their life or give up. This is the flop mode. This is a trauma response, people. This is when you're hopeless. You're sad for no reason. You're just getting sad. Sad is just, you're just sad. And again, it's, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. It's all my fault. And when you're showing up, you're disengaged. You're showing less and less and less emotions. You're experiencing that numb feeling. Hence why you would want to die or take your life because you're numb. And then interestingly enough, we have the friend response. And the friend response is where it's like, you're helpless. So you're asking for help, right? Because you just can't do it. So you need help, you need help, you need help, but you just, but you're hopeless. So you could have the best coach in the world, the best therapist, the most amazing methods, but your major thought process is, I can't do this. These are some of the ways that you can identify your trauma responses. 
with that friend mode as well, you have a low confidence, low self-esteem. So you don't believe in yourself. So it's easier to believe in others and hope and pray that they will figure it out for you because you can't do it. You don't take responsibility. You rely on others to give you the answers and to solve your problems. That is a trauma response. And funnily enough, that is a trauma response that several people in the world suffer from. We think that somebody somewhere is going to figure it out for us. Someone somewhere is going to, we're going to win the lottery and everything's going to be okay. And it's a lie. Or if I just lived in this house, my life would be better. If I just had that job, we want things thinking that if we get that thing, we will be better as a result of it. But why can we not just choose to be better with what we got? The reason why I spoke on that affirmation, I have everything I need is because I believe that that's one thing that's gonna heal everybody. When you start to see that you have everything you need, regardless to what you're experiencing, regardless to what you've been through, regardless to what you've faced, you start looking for that part of you that can help you to get over that trauma. And that might sound so simple. And when I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, they were like, one of the craziest things is we can say these things like they're dead or simple to do. I want to tell y'all straight out, plain and clear. It's not easy to get over your trauma. It's not easy to respond differently. It's not easy to face these things in the mirror and say, yo, how can I change this? How can I think differently about this? How can I act differently about this? Those things are not easy decisions. But guess what, guys? When you're in trauma, that's not an easy decision either. Going to fight or flight or freeze is not easy either. Tapping out, checking out is not easy. So like I always say, pick your hard. Pick your hard. Because we want to pick our good. And we want to pick what we need. But be willing to pick your hard. When I read a book many years ago, Think and Grow Rich for the first time, one of the first chapters in that book, it talks about sacrifice. And I didn't like it. Because I would, I, I, mm -mm, I didn't like the word sacrifice. I didn't like what it was associated with. I didn't like it. I just didn't like the word. So I didn't really vibe with it. But when I got over my own shit in my head and I thought sacrifice, and then I swallowed the idea that we're paying a sacrifice every single day for what we want. Some of you are on your way to work or at work. You are sacrificing your time for money. That's a sacrifice that you're paying. When you become a parent, you sacrifice some decisions, some things so that your children can have. In friendships, you sacrifice things. In relationships, you sacrifice things. Every single day, we are making sacrifices. You guys are sacrificing your time right now to listen and be present to this room. It's a sacrifice. But you see, when you start to pick your sacrifices, 
I am willing to sacrifice watching TV to study and read a book. I am willing to sacrifice going to every party and being turned up and getting lit to really get lit internally. These are sacrifices. But you see, the problem is we're making sacrifices without awareness. So we're sacrificing, been able to feel good, been able to sift through our own stuff by actually going through it. We'd rather not do it. But when you actually start to do it, when you actually start to dig in, when you actually start to tap in and open it up, open those scars, look at them and say, why have I got this scar? What is it a reminder of? What is this a result of? What does this show me that I've been through? Then you can do what Dixie said yesterday, allow it to be a beauty mark. It doesn't feel like a scar anymore. But we've got some wounds in us that we've left open and they're leaking out. And that's the trauma. They're wounds that we didn't really allow to heal. We didn't even pay attention to them because we didn't know that we had to. And so what happens when we start cleaning it up? One of my favorite things that I say to people is clean it up. Clean up the wounds. Guys, I have sacrifice my time, money, things, so that I can understand these things. Whether I've invested in a mentor, whether I've invested in book after book after book after book after book, listen to audio after audio after audio to get more awareness. I sacrificed listening to music in my car so that I could listen to things that would teach me that would open my mindset, that would give me more awareness. I sacrificed idolizing the lives of the Beyonce's, the Jay-Z's of the world, so that I could spend less time watching them and beating myself up about their bodies or their money or their life or the Kardashians or the Fakashians. And I started to use and build a vision board of my own. I started to sit with myself and take out pictures and, and words and, and things and put them around me and say, yo, babes, who are you willing to become? And the more that I've done that is the more that I'm now able to say, oh, I'm in survival mode. Oh, I'm in coping mode. Oh, I'm in thriving mode. And they feel different, but you've got to allow yourself to feel. And in order to allow yourself to feel, you've got to allow yourself to heal. And my personal belief is that healing is a forever journey. I don't know if it ends. I feel like it's forever. Miss Dawn, welcome to the stage, Grand Rising. Hello, Grand Rising everybody, Grand Rising. Thank you. I've been listening intently to everything that everybody is saying. Um, and I just wanted to come from a different angle. Um, okay, so it's about whether we're aware of our trauma response. But for me, I I'm sure I do have a trauma response, um, but I'm not actually sure what it is yet. But I am aware of my response to 
other people's trauma response. Um, and by that, I mean, um, okay, for example, my the situation with my mum, a, a lot of you, well, a few of you kind of know the situation with my mum my and my siblings and, and everything that went on when I was a bit younger. Um, and I've openly talked about it and that was another kind of response from that. But I saw my mum's trauma response to being abandoned by her husband and having a son that helped her out and take over. And that was to be kind of submissive in a way, like, yes, okay, okay, thank you, son, thank you, son, thank you, son. And just kind of make herself small and allow him to take over. This is my brother, sorry, in... Um, in place of, of my dad being there um and the same with my brothers and their partners i saw how their partner's trauma response again was to be submissive and forgiving and all the rest of that and i looked at that and i just thought no no um that's not going to be me and sure enough it wasn't. And just to pick up on something that you said before about speaking your truth and going out there and putting things out. I did the same thing and I had the same kind of responses as you from people in the community, people who knew my family. Um, and it was all about why are you putting your business out there? You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be airing it. You should be trying to sort it out as a family, X, Y, Z, and whatever else. But that for me was my kind of therapy. And I've, I've said it before and I will say it again. It was my therapy. I had to get that out. Otherwise it would just sit and fester and just make me sicker than I already was. And I realised that I had to get it out. And I think a lot of people would be better off if they did just open up and let it out. But there's a, a, a thing with the Caribbean community as well that you don't talk your business and you just you deal with it and kind of keep it on the inside. But again, I saw the trauma that it was causing and decided to take a different route. And for that, in some people's eyes, just made me, <laughs> I don't know, maybe a troublemaker or whatever else. But I don't see it as being a troublemaker. I just think it's better it's better out than in. I've, I've always said that. And I've tried to instill that in my kids as well. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to kind of come from a different angle. As I said, I probably do have my trauma, my trauma responses that I'm not aware of. But just to kind of show you from a different angle um yeah how how i've been i love that and that's why i say that we have everything we need because there's two things i picked up on when you spoke so one as a result of trauma you've chose to do something different which in turn is given a different response right and Obviously, I totally resonate with that because that's what I choose to do. I choose, you know what? Ain't no one going to talk about it? Okay, cool. Guess what? I'm going to talk about it. And I remember when I was doing my live and we had a massive blowout. Me, my dad, 
um, my sisters and that because nobody knew what I was going to talk about. Nobody knew what I was going to say. Nobody knew what was going to come up. And there was a certain level of, oh, but we need to protect the people that could be involved, right? And my thing was, this is my version of events. This is my story. This is it from how it impacted or influenced me. If other people want to talk on their side, they're welcome to. But I'm not going to be silenced on what I've experienced and where I see it from. And even in me writing my book that's coming out at the end of the year, I've been very clear on this is my perspective of the story, of what happened, of what I've experienced. However, I am fully aware that for other parties who may be involved in certain situations or scenarios, they won't see it in the same aspect because that wasn't where they sat on the fence at the time. And guess what, guys? That's life. And when we allow ourselves to have that perspective and that view, everything shifts. And that is why I say everything comes full circle and we have everything that we need because some of the conflict and contrast as painful or as bad or as horrible as it may seem, it is necessary to bring out the truth in you, to bring out who you really are, to bring out every or break every chain before you that was wanting to be silent, you're not being silent anymore. So you're breaking that chain. And if you didn't experience or witness a certain level of trauma, maybe you wouldn't have done that. So that's why I say it's all necessary. But one thing that I will say to you, Dawn, when you're saying maybe I've got trauma responses, but I don't know what they are, you absolutely do have them. And I pray that they are revealed to you. But one thing I will say, just to give you an example, so for instance, when I was growing up, based on what I saw around me in terms of relationships and the women and the men and diddle do and the different baby mothers and all, listen, zero respect for women, zero. Men, nah, didn't, no, there was, y'all didn't even count, but for women, y'all made me feel sick. As a result of that, I said to myself, hell no, nah, I am not being that woman. I ain't sharing no man, I ain't forgiving no man, I ain't making certain things acceptable. No, you ain't coming about my life and doing X, Y, or Z. I was hell-bent on it. No. To the point where it was a trauma response. How did that then become a trauma response? Because I was bitter. I was bitter. I was resentful. I was angry. And those were emotions, like I said, that I'm allowed to feel. And I was, it was necessary that I felt them, but I couldn't stay there. My bitterness, my resentment, my anger, it made me hate women. It wasn't a not like, I didn't, I just hated them. I thought women weren't shit, thought they were weak, yucky, this, that. And then I went to an all girls school and it reaffirmed that idea to me because people were bitchy, they were this, they were that. And that's when I was like, okay, cool. All of this stuff is technically happening outside of me, but what do I believe? What am I making things mean? And I had to check how judgmental I was. I was being judgmental, seriously judgmental. And it only took me to get into certain relationships, have children, experience a level of love and be like, whoa, oh, okay, cool. They weren't weak. Yo, they were stronger than I could ever imagine because I ain't taken certain things. Or, oh, that it's not that they were weak. They were just seeing it like this. I could understand what it felt like when a man was lying next to me and telling me I'm his world and I'm the only one and yada, yada, yada. Yet he's going outside and saying X, Y, or Z. 
but my ability to ask for truth allows everything that happens in the darkness to come to light, everything. And it's only a matter of time. And because I affirm that it's only a matter of time, everything that I don't wanna know, I get to know. But I had to check myself and recognize that the resentment that I had in me, the anger that I had in me, the rage that I had in me, that was a result of trauma. And it was the trauma to what I witnessed that said, I'm going to be a strong woman. I'm going to do better. I'm going to walk different. I'm going to talk different. I'm going to do all of this, which was great in a sense. But in another aspect, there was things underneath that that I needed to address. I hope that makes sense to anybody. Um, how you can identify as well underneath some of the things that are normal, right? We see things that we don't like that are not cool. So we choose to do something different. But in doing that something different, it's great if underneath that our intentions are pure. And sometimes, yes, our intentions are pure. Me wanting to help women a pure intention because I recognized what was in me. I recognized the help I needed. I recognized the support I needed. I recognized the information that I needed. So I started to give it. So I healed that level of trauma that was in me, that resentment, that anger. Listen, even now when I, I genuinely love and speak to some of the women that I hated, I know that's come from a level of healing. I don't judge them the same way. I actually understand them. I actually understand them. Some of the men that have caused me pain, I actually understand them because I'm no longer acting from a place of having a trauma response. My trauma response was like, basically inviting me to be judgmental was still allowing me to sit in blame. There is no blame. And I always say, when we stop blaming, things start changing. That doesn't mean that I can change the person, the circumstance or the experience, but I a thousand percent can change what I allow it to mean and I can change the way that I see things. I pray that that has helped some of you guys. This is a conversation that we could go on and on and on and on with. And yes, like Dawn said, as a result of trauma, and I hope that you guys heard it in this conversation, that's what I'm saying about everything coming full circle. You can do amazing things because you actually choose to do something different. She witnessed things and said, nah, that's not my portion. I'm going to do something different. I've witnessed things and I've said, nah, I'm going to do something different. But that's the thing. There's levels of our trauma, which we haven't identified yet, which means that we are still stuck in that same cycle of what we observe outside of, outside of us. But it's just a different facet of it. I had to find where my anger was, where my resentment was, where my judgment was. And I had to think about it. Where did that come from? Oh, what does that mean? And that's when my levels of different trauma started to be revealed to me. So yeah, I pray that we continue the conversation of just checking in with ourselves. Tanya. Yes, ma'am. My person was asking quite a while ago, they were asking, how do I dig myself out? So before you answer, 
answer that question. <laughs> um, there was a picture message. It has clocks, yeah, and it says, good morning. How much you achieve in life is not as important as how much you enjoy each moment of life. So when I sent that to my person that I'm asking on their behalf, they said, enjoy each moment, even if it's the worst of moments. <laughs> and, yeah. All we have is the moment, yeah? So I'm, I'm going to the trauma that Tanya was born with, right? So after all of that job of I'm not gonna, after having Claudine and 24 hours of epidural, this, that, and the other, I decided, okay, natural birth. So with Tanya, I just was armed with my song, which I still, I, I use that song every day. It's called One Day at a Time. So I was singing One Day at a Time, Sweet Jesus, push Tanya into the world. And guess what? No crying, no breath, nothing. The cords wrapped around her, her, her neck. And she's actually like dead. So they're like, quick, call the there, do this, do that. Claudius is in there, he's not panicking. So I don't feel panicked. Anyway, they clear everything and straight away, guess what? She's hungry. <laughs> she's hungry. She wants to eat the whole place down. And that's very much an example of who Tanya is. Born in trauma but knows how to survive it because sometimes the conditions that we're born into, we're in a thing like something's wrong or I want to change that narrative or, you know, and sometimes it's when we get into acceptance of it is what it is. And yeah, I'm, like, I'm thinking now of Tanya's death. I didn't feel panicked. I didn't feel like scared. I, didn't, I felt like I knew that everything was okay. But you see the thought forms that she came from, the stuff that I had to deal with, the stuff that I didn't like, the stuff that I was witnessing as a woman that I didn't want for myself, and I'm carrying a child. And believe me, our thoughts create everything. Our thoughts create everything. And I, I actually was giving birth to my thoughts. I, I felt wrapped up in stuff that was suffocating me. And my daughter was born with the cord around her neck. And she actually survived her twin that was lost a long time ago, right at the beginning of the journey. But she survived. She came here for a reason. And I think that if we all understand that we're here for a reason, and yesterday we heard an audio by Sarah, which Tanya quoted as well, that I am the person for the job. So just like Dawn said, she's the person for the job with her family and how she chose to deal with it people might have a problem with that yeah but Tony just put the balance right because even when that live was happening and Claudius was saying look you've got to be careful because you've got to take people's feelings and stuff into consideration Tony was like mm, don't care I'm speaking my truth but we're speaking out she's speaking from her perspective her her perception or her view and that's sometimes what our issue is as people there is so much views. We could be looking at an object what's in the middle of the room, but we're looking at it from different angles. So we have a different view. The manner of looking at that thing, our opinion, what opinion are we putting to that thing that we're observing? What is our judgment? What is our belief? And that's what we're viewing that thing from that perspective, and that's what we're making it mean. But there's lots of different perspectives. There's lots of different angles that people could be viewing that same object at. 
And I think sometimes that like, when we start to grow in into understanding who we truly are and who we're truly connected to, then we start to have the comprehensive view like the creator. And then we understand the part that we're playing in it. And then we don't make that person wrong or that person wrong or that, because they're just coming from their perspective and their view in that point in time. So when we're in the moment to answer that question, and you're like just overcome by the moment, focus on where you want to get to. Focus on the peace that you're looking for. Focus on, you know, like when I didn't know nothing like what I know now, when I wasn't in Tanya's room where I didn't have this coach, or I didn't have this, I was just like, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. It's better. It's better. I'm going to get through this. Lord, help me to get through this. Lord, help. That was what I was affirming. But even when I didn't know, I knew there was something that I wanted that was better where, than where I was right there in that bad moment. And then I just reached to that better place and that better feeling one day at a time. I love that. And one quote that I took from watching The Think and Grow Rich, they've now made it into a movie, is the only difference between an ordinary life and a life of fulfillment is how we think. The only difference between an ordinary life and a life of fulfillment is how we think. If we just take Dawn's example, she could have decided, well, you know what? This is just the way things are because she observed it in her mum and, you know, her brothers and then their wives. So, so many different levels of the same thing. And she could have said, you know what? Well, yeah, that's how it is. She chose to think different and created something different. I could have chose to look around my life as a child and I kid you not, huh, the women that I saw, nah, zero ratings. But guess what? There was so much of them in my eyes that that is what a woman was. So I could have decided to be that same woman. No, I didn't. I chose to think different, to create something different. And the same could go for you guys. With all due respect, I don't care what situation you're in. I don't care how hard it feels. I don't care how it looks like everything is crumbling around you. I'm telling you, there is something in you that is why you are experiencing that. That is why you are going through that, which is why you must shed light into that. And you've got to be willing to get in it. You've got to be willing to allow it to come out of you. And it's only going to come out of you if you're willing to think better about the situation. Are you willing to experience better? Are you willing to allow yourself to say, you know what? This will not destroy me. I'm going to be the light in this darkness. I'm going to be the power in this situation that feels like it's not plugged into anything. Can you decide that? Because you see, that's the difference with people that are what we call successful and the people that are not. It is the way that they think. Because listen to all of their stories, listen to them. 
listen to them. A lot of people look up to Oprah, listen to her story. Don't tell me she didn't go through some things. Don't tell me that she hasn't experienced a deep level of trauma. But guess what? She says, when they ask her, Oprah, how did you feel being in these rooms, being the only black woman at these tables or the only woman in this place? Hear what my girl says. I didn't know I couldn't be. But some of you will hold yourself accountable to, uh, uh, life is happening to me. Uh, I want to die. I can't cope. And it's like, okay, cool. What's that going to do for you? And I'm sorry if it sounds harsh, but that's the kind of fight that you've got to develop within yourself. That's the kind of truth that you've got to step into. That's the kind of anchor that you've got to allow yourself. Your anchor needs to be chucked so far forward that it keeps pulling you forward. Some of your anchors are chucked behind your ship. And so every time the ship is being pulled, it's been pulled back towards that anchor. And I'm telling you, get your anchor out of that sand, out of that circumstance, out of that way of thinking and chuck it forward. Chuck it so far forward that when it pulls your ship, you can no longer see half of the things that you're currently experiencing. And that's a choice. Miss Julie, I did invite you. I'm not sure why it's not allowing you to come up. Anybody got anything to say? I didn't realize this conversation was going to be so long or so deep. <laughs> I feel like the more we come in the rooms, the more the conversation is getting deeper, which is great. But I mean, I know it's your morning and I know we've got work and I know that you've got things to do, but I appreciate this. Um, and I appreciate all of you contributing. Sorry. I just wanted to say um, one thing that I've really taken over the years and really learned um, that really helps me when I get into a certain position is feelings aren't facts. Come on. And I think a lot of us have to understand this and learn this because a lot of the time you'll hear people talk and it's, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. Our feelings aren't facts. So if we're running based on how we feel, what are we running to? What are we running from? You know, what are we running with? Your, fe your feelings aren't facts. And sometimes it takes a minute to just sit back and actually just reassess. Like, what is this really? Like, ask yourself that question. What is this really? Yes, I may feel this way, but what is actually going on? Change perspective. I love that. And I'm sure it's a stick that I never pick. <laughs> that is actually a stick. Feelings are not facts. And I never pick that stick. Um, but one thing I will say on that, I love that you brought that to the table and I don't have enough time right now, but I am going to do something on this next week, guys, where I want to talk about trauma and the actual brain, because we have three different brains within our brain. So we have the survival brain, the feeling brain and the thinking brain. And when you recognize how those things operate in trauma, I believe it will give you more understanding on why we go into certain modes when we're experiencing certain things. And like Claudine said, I'm no, I'm starting to, I was again talking about this yesterday, but I'm starting to identify the difference between my feelings. So like what we've been taught about our feelings and my actual senses, your senses, yes. They feel like your feelings, but they are more you, as in more your truth. 
our feelings have come from a lot of the time the feelings that most of us will feel when circumstances are surface level there's they're, they're just they're almost like a jacket that we put on but I want to get you into your senses that are from your inside out and that's where it will change the game I think for a lot of you but I'm gonna pick that up next week Ms Julie Grand Rising Grand Rising everyone I'm so glad you came up off your own back today <laughs> yes I did I did it's been a fantastic room it's really I mean, obviously, if you're scribbling away, my goodness, I've got about five pages. Um, I'll have to make sense of it a bit later on. But something touched me when you were talking about trauma and in trying to listen to myself and get, well, which one am I? Am I any? Am I a bit of each? Because I, I recognised all of them, to be honest, all of the S. <laughs> I love that. And that's the point. We will go into different modes for different things. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. for instance, if I was a child that, I don't know, maybe I witnessed domestic violence, right? And I didn't say anything at the time. I didn't know who to speak to. I couldn't communicate. I didn't step up. So now as an adult, if I witness a fight, I might freeze because it's like I'm trapped, you know, in that circumstance. Whereas if it's a conversation and a tone triggers me, when the tone triggers me, I might just get angry and experience rage. So then I'm experiencing flight. So we can experience every single one of them. And I think that if a lot of us are honest with ourselves, we probably do. Some of them are more comfortable for us and more natural for us to go to as a coping mechanism than others, whereas some are super extreme. So we might only experience them maybe once in a lifetime, you know? So it just depends on you. Yes. Like a little light bulb went off. I thought, oh my God. 
I love it. And you know what? That's the truth. Like, that's what happened to me. A lot of my... I don't think anybody said to me, I can't cry, but I told myself crying was weak, you know? So I just didn't cry as much. And I will never forget when I was younger in Kamisha, I was crying, I don't know, unless I started dating guys or some rubbish like that. And I started crying <laughs> and she was like, oh my God, Tanya, what? Because I just didn't cry like that for me, you know? And when I started to cry, especially when I really started healing as an adult, yo, I cry for anything. I watch a movie, I cry, I do this, I cry, I cry, I cry, I cry. And I feel that it was all of the pent up tears, but also like you, where I wasn't, you know, when I realized my brother got sent to prison a couple of years ago. And when he went to prison and I went to visit him, the next day I could not stop vomiting. I was vomiting uncontrollably. It was like I got a stomach bug out of nowhere. At the same time, I was experiencing what I felt to be my toxic relationship. And any time that I went to see that guy, any time we had sex, I would vomit. And I started to recognize, oh my God, this is a trauma response. This is a trauma response. I got a call to say something is happening to my sister. My sister had experienced something. I think I'm good. The next day I am chucking up, I am vomiting. So I recognized that even as a child, I used to be very sick. They never found out anything was wrong with me, right? But I would be vomiting. I'd be off for two weeks, three weeks, just vomiting every single day. My, it was a response to everything I was keeping in that I couldn't control. So when I couldn't control something, I would internalize it and then vomit. And when I started to read, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay, for the third time, three years ago, guess what, guys? I started vomiting all over the place. Because again, it was another level, like Bev said, it's like onions and the different layers were coming off. And as they were coming off, it was like, in order for me to get it out, I was vomiting. These things are real. And even at that point, I wasn't aware, like, oh my God, it's a trauma response. I didn't know that. But it was only when I went back and I checked how I was reacting to certain things, every time it was like, oh my God, I'm internalizing this stuff and it's coming out as vomit. It's real guys. And I love that you've had that light bulb moment now in this room. And that's the power of conversation. That's the power of being open. Like I said to Bev, the minute you start setting them intentions, things start coming to you. And this is why I always say conversations are therapy. They're healing. They can help you. I love that. Thank you so much, Miss Julie. Miss Susan, how are you? I'm just gonna meet you, Julie. Morning, thank you very much. Um, yeah, morning, everyone. I've just got to say, these conversations have been so enlightening and I'm learning so much. And as you were talking this morning, I could just feel this really uncomfortable feeling in my belly because I know my trauma response to some things is to completely switch off. And I know that goes back to my childhood. And um, I was just thinking, oh my gosh, oh my God. One of the things is, I was always quiet as a child and my sister was my mouthpiece. And even now, sometimes when we're in a conversation and she's around, I completely switch off and I get really annoyed with myself because I have this thing in me saying, oh, my opinion doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I say because she's talking. 
it really annoys me and I'm really working on it, but I know exactly where it comes from. And with my son, he was bullied at school and his response would be, I'm not going to do anything, I'm not going to say anything, they can do whatever they want. And I'd get really upset and really angry and I'd be like, no, you can't do that, but actually that is the person he is, even though it's not, I don't see that's the right response. I've really had to work with him on that and really take the time with him because I thought, actually, Sue, look at yourself and look at the way you react to certain things. It's all to do with the process and, yeah, yeah, thank you very much. I love that. And see, I love that everybody is having these levels of awareness. And sometimes in these conversations, I am going to say some things that are going to make people feel uncomfortable. I am going to say things that is going to make you either check yourself or you're going to say, no, I don't believe that. And that's absolutely fine. But my thing is, I've always said to people, when we go into rooms, and or we're listening to something and it makes us feel uncomfortable, that's the moment we stick there. That's the moment we stay. Because if we're willing to sit or stay or actually listen, I believe you get a, something, the key that I was talking about, that's gonna unlock something else in you. And so, yes, these conversations are gonna stir up some things in you. Yes, they are gonna bring some things to light, but it is my greatest intention that as it does that to you, it allows you to ultimately reach a place of freedom, reach a place of understanding, reach a place of new awareness. And guess what, guys, when I log off of here, I'm sat here thinking for time, like, oh my God, wow, and maybe this and maybe that. So the conversation continues it actually continues or I learn something. And I'm just grateful that this space has been created for us to do this. And like I said, I pray that we keep encouraging the conversation to continue. We keep allowing more people to come in, more of you come up to the stage and offer your views, opinions, whether they are in agreement with me or completely opposite is absolutely fine because that's how we reach understanding. That's how we get to a place of different perspectives. The way that I see something, you can see it completely opposite. My only intention is that I'm gonna share. If something has helped me, if something has enlightened me, if something has empowered me, I'm going to share it. And so it's the same for you guys. If you feel that they're enlightening or empowering, you share it with your friends, your family, whoever needs to hear it. I have been so out of integrity in uploading the, um, the playbacks I've just been busy I've just been living but I am slowly catching up and I would pray that even if you want to go back to a conversation you can go back and find it and hear it with new ears or pick up points that you may have missed or share with somebody who you feel like yes that conversation would have helped them because ultimately we want people to have the access and awareness to information that can help them be who they really are. Is there any final thoughts or ideas that anybody wants to share? Yes. I just want to thank everybody for coming up to the stage. And it's really been truly just a morning of learning and reflection. I um, believe in my daughter's products because um, it's my grandson's birthday, Tanya's first son. Um, this product was created for them and it's Pick Me Up Sticks. So I just shut my eyes and I picked from my pot for the intention for this conversation in this group. And it happens to be a blue stick. And it says, ask and it will be given. Search and you will find, knock and the door will be open. 
So the fact that speaking about us speaking our truth and being our truth and the fact that some of you got something and you, you know, came up to the stage to share and you had some realizations, I'm just picking up that we are being, it's a time where we're being asked to ask, to speak our truth, to knock those doors that we shut tightly behind us because we're so scared of those boogeyman. Let the boogeyman come out now because maybe somewhere behind that boogeyman is our power, but we've just allowed the boogeyman to scare us from getting behind us and knock on that door and know that God goes with you, know that God is within you, know that you are God. Know that you're, you know, when you when you knock and you ask, that door will be opened. And Tanya, I picked a stick for me because I picked sticks daily. And my stick said, I trust and I believe. And I truly trust in all of the tools that my daughter has given birth to. And she doesn't like to say, well, I'm not saying it to you to push her. I'm saying it to you because it has changed it has transformed. It has given me, I thought I was a purposeful woman before. I thought I was a powerful woman before. But these products that I use daily, man, they are really transforming. So if you've got some sticks, please pick, shut your eyes, pick. And if you want to talk to me, some of you on here know me, you have access to me. Tanya's going to give you the details to email us and speak to the community. But that colour might be saying something for you of the stick that you picked if you've got colourful sticks. The words will definitely be saying something to you from a subconscious realm. So I'm just encouraging, pick your sticks, use your products, get on Tanya's network. She's got mirrors with words on them. She's got bangles that I wear around my wrist. And when I'm walking sometimes and I used to get anxiety, I'd look at my wrist and it would say, trust Trust God and chill. And I would wear that on my wrist and it would change my day. The power of words. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And also, yeah, I need to just get better at sharing. But, you know, because it's a lifestyle for me, I forget to talk about things. But one thing I will say, what has changed so much of these people's lives, not just the sticks. I'll tell you what really changed the game because it changed the game for me is when I started to use the book with the sticks. With the books, there becomes more perspective on what those three words mean or what that sentence means. And I'm encouraged to keep writing a book for every collection, Lord help me, because there is so much collections. But by the grace of God, that will be the move. I'm gonna stop releasing collections and just reusing what's already out there because there's so much collections and each collection does a different thing. And um, bless Dawn, Dawn has been one of my, like she copied, she makes sure that all my work is good, good, good to go out. So does Sunita. And, and this is what I'm saying, it takes a community. You guys might see a face, you don't know who's helping behind that. I posted yesterday behind every queen, there is an army. My parents come off of here and they ring me up and they say, right, you need to do this and you need to do that and this and this. And you know, my sister will get onto me and loads of you will ring me and suggest ideas. And, and that's how we need to move just the same way that I'll do the same for you. Um, if you've ever checked out Dawn's blog, that was a challenge. <laughs> 
<laughs> she came into one of our rooms and we dared people to do something that they wanted to do that they haven't been doing. And she took up the challenge. And as a result of that, look how much she's done. Look how much she'll continue to do. The same with Bev. She was in a room, her belly was staring, staring, staring. She felt super uncomfortable, uncomfortable. And we were like, well, what do you want to do? She said what she wanted to do. And we were like, well, well we're doing it tomorrow, next week. Let's go. And Miss Bev's got a room this evening, guys. It's one lot to be missed. So please do check it out, 6pm. If you're following the club, it will pop up on your phone. But I just wanted to plug that. Yes, see? And that's just how we roll. So stay in the space, stay in the energy, keep growing, keep glowing. Miss Dom, you've come to the stage. What you saying, Queen? She's a newbie. Everybody flash your mics. Hi. 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 I love that. I love it. And you know what I'm so grateful for? Listen, guys, what we're doing in here is a new thing. We're having sisters come together, mother daughters come together, um, relationships come together, people that don't vibe with each other come together. I love it. And I feel like for me, Raw has always been that space. I've stood at the front of classes teaching people, girls that hated me walk into my fitness class. And I'm like, say what now? We feel to do a hundred squats. Not really. <laughs> no, what I mean is we grow up, we grow up and we literally, oh, Tiona's using Messenger. I love it. So guys, if you're down there and you're not on the stage, you know you can actually chat with, there's an arrow. I was wondering what this was and we can actually chat. I was hoping they would bring that feature. So if I'm ever talking and you like something is popping up and you want to ask a question, you can literally click on that arrow. It looks a bit like a navigation arrow and you can message. But she said, can we do a part two of this room? We absolutely can, because I feel like, like Dom said, it's not something we talk about. Trauma isn't something that we speak about because it's not been safe. And I also feel like this would tie in nicely with the conversation that I said I may not be willing to have on terms of same-sex relationships and all of that stuff. But I feel for our community, <laughs> for our community, it's safe that we start speaking about these things because 
you know, we're all going through things and we can be the most judgmental to people and we can push people further away when we need to give them a place where they can call home and they can really undress and they can really get to feel safe about who they are and what they're experiencing and I think it's important so I'm open to have a part two and um, I'm just grateful for your time your energy and everything that you guys are giving in this space I appreciate you and I just wanted to end with this last Thing. the stick I picked today was I have everything I need and I love it and I just want to finish with this page and then we can go so it says some things in life challenge us to question everything we believe this affirmation has been a major turning point for me and I pray it becomes the same for you you could look at your life right now and easily believe that things are missing things are not happening and maybe you have a long way to go before you have everything you need. Or you could simply change your perspective. What if we don't need anything? What if we simply desire things to expand our experience on this journey called life? Yet, right here, right now, we are completely and utterly complete. Would we continue to think and believe anything is missing? Or would we begin to believe we have everything we need? The main reason that we desire anything is because we fundamentally believe we would be better off or our life would be better as a result of that thing. However, whenever we are telling the universe we need something, it's simply saying we don't have it, which generates a vibration of lack. The universe loves us so much that it always lovingly has our back. Therefore, any vibration we offer the universe, the universe lovingly bounces that vibration, thought or desire back. Good or bad, positive or negative, the rule always applies. Through understanding the simple law of the universe, it challenges you to revisit what you believe. Maybe it even encourages you to deeply look at the idea of questioning, what do you really need? You have been blessed with way more than you know. You have so much in you right here and right now to keep you abundantly in flow. Sometimes, instead of asking for more, the magic is simply in learning to let go and appreciate what we have now. Gratitude changes the game. When you are grateful for your now, you will be abundantly blessed in your next. God says, show me what you can do with a little and I'll show you what you can do with some more. Tap into what you have now and watch the appreciation of that open more doors. You seriously have access to more than you know. Let it surface, let it flow, tap in. It is 9.09, which means that this room is perfectly complete. I thank you guys so much for your time and your energy. I have, 15 years ago, I pushed through <laughs> one of the most traumatic experiences of my life and it has birthed the most amazing blessing. And I pray that y'all continue to do the same. Be great in your walking, in your talking, in your being, and your living. And remember that everything is working out for you. Have a blessed and beautiful day. And thank you so much again for being here. Amen. Thank you. Bye. Be great. One, two, y'all. Trigger. Trigger.